Uh, Tuesday edition. Yes. Nice. <laughs> well, welcome back, guys. Uh, Barstool Politics. It is uh, Nick, Bill, and Phil again, and we actually have uh, a special guest. Bill, do you want to... We introduce. do. Uh, we have my good friend and colleague, Stephen Maynard Kellyendo, who is a professor of political science here at North Central College. Uh, he specializes in American politics, uh, race and identity, political psychology. He is also the dean of the College of Arts and Sciences here. So for the first time the podcast, we have some administrative heft, right? That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, our Chicago area listeners will uh, probably recognize Stephen uh, from his work on CBS as a political, political analyst. He's also on WDCB. Uh, very busy guy, uh, very talented guy. So we're we're delighted that you're here. Thanks for yeah. thanks for showing up. Just as I wrote it, thank you so much. For the <laughs> yes. that was lovely. lovely. My mother thanks you. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> um, might as well just jump right into it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, lots to talk about. So we're gonna we figured we talk uh, healthcare. Uh, Steve King, uh, microwaves that are spying on Donald Trump. Uh, but actually, okay, I looked at my that. microwave a little bit differently. <laughs> Uh, although yesterday, as so I walked into Stephen's office and I was asking him, you know, what, what should we talk about? Should we talk about healthcare and all? He says, Oh yeah, whatever's whatever's great, but we got to talk about that BBC interview with the political science professor. <laughs> uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, his he's doing this uh, very serious interview from South Korea, talking about the the uh, impeachment of the president there, and all of a sudden his four year old uh, comes in, and boogies the, in, <laughs> yeah, boogies <laughs> in, elbows flying. She's got swag. Uh, not long after that, the the toddler comes comes rolling in, and or the actually, exercise. the baby. Yes, yeah. yeah. The exercise. Uh, and you said this this uh, touched close to home. Yeah, and, and then and then his partner or whomever it is uh, comes comes flying in afterwards and tries to collect them, and I and I just know what the conversation, yes. <laughs> just like eight eight minutes earlier was was it please. I'm just going to be on this call for a few minutes. If you can just keep them away from the door. Because the, 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 the concern isn't the coming in. The concern is banging on the door. Right, right, that, right. That's right. the concern. You don't even imagine. But I can't tell you how many – I mean, anybody who's done any analysis – because, you know, when I'm on CBS 2 in the mornings, I'm on set, right? So that's mm -hmm. like nothing's going to come running across yeah. there. But there's lots of times where somebody has to come – to my office, or, or if it's a weekend or whatever, Dana Kozlov will call and say, can I interview you for a minute? Or And, and sometimes those things are uh, in person, and then you worry about what's going to happen. Yeah. And sometimes there's, you know, in the old days before Skype, you used to have to go somewhere. Like when I was on Al Jazeera yeah. in 2008 election, I think, you have to go to the Hancock building and you're in some production studio and whatever. Yeah. But now you got the convenience. So <laughs> there's a million reasons why I could spend a half an hour talking about this. Mm -hmm. But, I, but I, I just want to point out, besides... <laughs> The absurdity of what actually took place and how he reacted to it, which was beautiful. Yeah. Kind of arm barred the first kid. Oh, right? yeah. Get him out. Get him out. Mom arm, you know what I mean? Like yes. when, you, when you're getting up close to a stop sign or something. But the fact that he laid books on the end of his bed to make yes. it look like a book show. Yes. I, told, I would so do that. I would do that. I'm not saying I have done that. But I, I do take care when I'm Skyping like from my bedroom because you have to lock yourself. You can't just do it. In the, you got to yeah. lock yourself in the bedroom so they don't find you. Um, yeah, and the world map up behind yeah, you. I mean, yeah. Everything you looks great. To, yeah, you try to frame it, right? Yeah. You get it. You get the frame. And I, I, you know, I've had books to get it a little higher so the angle's right and all this story. And nobody can see it so it looks great. 
But he, I could tell. I'm sure he looked at it and saw there's a bed in the shot. Like that doesn't look professional. There's yeah. a bed. What can I do about that? And his answer was, I'm going to stack, going to stack some books up, which would have gone great until the kid knocks him down, yeah. and then yeah. and it's pretty clear what happened there. So his plan was foiled for so many reasons, and I just my heart went out. But I know everybody's getting a good laugh of it, but I, I felt particularly touched just because it, even when it's not media, I've been in that situation the last couple of days where I got to be negotiating a job offer with a candidate or making a call to a candidate, and I'm like. Just keep them. Just keep them away from the door for two minutes. Right, I'm not going to be on long. Uh, I'm going to tell them they can't have any more money anyway. That won't take me long to say. <laughs> and uh, but you're worried they're going to knock on the door. So. They uh, they interviewed. So they hadn't done any press. And I guess today they did an interview again with BBC. All four of them. And what had happened is the wife and the two kids were watching the interview on TV. Yeah. Mm. And they were all excited. And and the 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 toddler, the four year old, sees. <laughs> that daddy's in the office and goes running in and the mom is so kind of focused on the interview and doesn't realize the kid's in there until she sees him on TV. Oh, yeah. She busts in you like tell. Kramer. Oh, yes. Store. She did slide though. Did she, she, slide. she not, did she yes, not have that. that slide? It was really nicely done. It That's was Kramer. It was and then Kramer. when she finally gets the kids back out, like the lean diving back in. Because she forgot to close the door. Yeah. yeah. And ducking. Very subtly. Yeah. And all the while he's doing what I'm doing to Phil now, which is sort of looking at how we are in the corner. And you can see that he's looking at himself in the sort of the corner of the sky <laughs> yes, and yeah. seeing this kid coming and knowing that there's nothing that he can do about it because yeah. he can't turn around. And, yeah. oh. Anyway, that was, thanks for indulging. Me. Oh man. That was, I just, I felt like I needed, I don't have good. therapy this week because I'm going to San Diego and I, I felt like I needed to work through that with someone. So I appreciate you. It, it won the internet. That's for Thank sure. You, yeah. it won the internet. That was a good one. Indeed. Oh, well, should we start with healthcare? Yes, unfortunately. That's now, right. actually, I think it's kind of ironic that we're talking healthcare because Phil, uh, Phil had shingles last week. I mean, you still have shingles? I, I am 90% recovered. Okay. My, here's, here's my, How old here's, are here's you, my, Phil? What is, isn't that like an old person thing? Well, the shingle virus. It is. It all. It is. I did hear that once. Yeah, I heard that from the drug company that makes uh, the shingle drug. I have a long history of getting old man diseases, okay, so right. this goes right with it. Okay. My, my, my public service announcement of the day is if you're ever on shingles medication, I do not recommend mixing alcohol. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. Last week's podcast did not go well for me. It was, it was bad. <laughs> I didn't notice it. Oh, and, and Nick, you were sick, so it's, it's yeah. you feeling better? Yeah, much better, minus the, the nasally thing. But um, yeah, last week was, was rough. The, the minute I left and got home, just crash right out in the bed and I yeah. was gone for the next two days so podcasting will take it out of you yes <laughs> it was it's really <laughs> rough doing this with you you're just draining oh. <laughs> all right so we should talk about the American uh, Health Care Act acha acha um, and uh, I don't know, maybe start with I'll just a few little data points here so the CBO the Congressional Budget Office released its assessment yesterday bias uh, yeah that's right <laughs> bias <laughs> Uh, and they're, uh, they said they would reduce the number of people with insurance uh, by 24 million by 2026. It would, uh, it would drop 14 million just within the next year. Uh, it would cut $337 billion from the federal budget deficit over that same time period. Uh, the thinking was that premiums would increase in the short term, but ultimately lower uh, over time. Trickle down. Trickle down partially. I would get much better for young, rich people, but much worse <laughs> for older, sick people. Well, uh, with awesome. Also significant cuts to Medicaid, cutting spending by 25% uh, by 2026, uh, translating into 14 million people uh, removed from Medicaid uh, by 2026. So some pretty... Well, Significant data points. $300 billion and, and, in savings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and today, the I think it was this morning, the story came out that the White House estimates were even 
worse, I guess yes. it would be. So twenty six million instead of twenty four million, I think is they had they had estimated even more people would be off of. Hey, they set the bias. bar low. Bias. bias. How, yeah, how bias. do they say, say bias? Bias. bias? bias. That's fake news. But their numbers <laughs> are even worse. That's still fake news. Uh, <laughs> the, the even something I said last week would be fake news if I don't agree with it any longer. <laughs> <laughs> that's, sort of the, that's the definition of fake news. The bias thing's kind of uh, it's kind of an interesting point because it's been. The, the response to it has taken two different trajectories, right? So the, I, it was the Paul Ryan's response was essentially, this is great. It's doing everything we promised in this. I mean, he totally just ignored the 24 million people and focused on the cutting the budget and lowering cost in 10 years or whatever. Um, so he like he wholeheartedly embraced the parts that he liked and ignored the other part. Whereas the White House, that was it Spicer, who was yeah. like, the CBO can't be trusted. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're idiots. They're always wrong. So like two different, both in the Republican Party taking these two totally different approaches, embracing it versus denying it. And they're all over the place. Well, and it's, I mean, I think it was similar to the, when the jobs report came out last week too, was, you know, numbers that were criticized as being completely made up and fake they were good because, yeah. you know, he's used the numbers. So, yeah, so I don't know. I think if the CBO had come out the other way, I think we all know what the results would have been. What do we think the Republican game is here? I can't decide if they want this thing to get through, uh, if they don't want it to get through. I mean, it, it's clearly getting attacked from both sides. Liberals can't stand it. Uh, but, true, you know, the conservatives don't like it either. I mean, they would rather have nothing in place. So uh, do, they, do you really think they're going to get this passed? Do they want to pass it? What's, what's going on? <laughs> I, so I, I'm not. I'm not an expert on this, but I, I am. It seems highly doubtful to me, right? I mean, the you need a you need a lot of votes to get this through, right? There's already problems in the Senate. It looks like, but um, you had this immediate pushback from um, kind of both sides of the Republican Party because you have Republicans who are in uh, less safe districts who don't want to. Boot, who, who know it would be unpopular to boot people off of insurance. So you've got that sort of moderate branch of the Republican Party that it, it's going to be difficult to get them on board. You certainly don't have the Democrats on board, but then you also have this big, the, the more conservative branch, right? The, the, the Tea Party branch that has basically said, this doesn't go far enough in doing away with Obama. This is Obamacare light, right? And which yeah. is a, a criticism for them. So if you've already, if like you can't, if you can't please everyone within your own party, uh, and, and they don't they don't have the numbers that Obama had necessarily when Obamacare first went through. I just I don't it seems really I, I don't see a path forward, but I, I don't know. I mean, Paul Ryan's pushing party unity hard, trying to get people on board with this. I just I don't think he's going to get there. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's physically possible well, at this point. And the fact that Trump doesn't want his name on this, he doesn't want a oh, Trump care. Right. I mean, the guy who wants his name on everything. Right. Doesn't want his okay, name well, on this. There's a tremendous amount of irony to that, too. Right. Because it wasn't that Barack Obama wanted his name on Obamacare. I mean, that label was put on mm -hmm. by opponents to try to attach him to something that they presumed would be unpopular. Mm -hmm. Oops. That yeah. worked so well. Yeah. And, and we knew that because David Axelrod about 2014 comes out and around the time when the major provisions are coming. I remember he came out and said, we're going to call it Obamacare, too. Instead of fighting this, we're going to actually embrace this label because it's going to be good and it's yeah. going to be, you know, he's going to be associated with this great plan. And so it's very interesting for, and, and, and of course, you know, the latest poll showed the tremendous support for the ACA. I think once people figured out the ACA and Obamacare were the same thing, yes. that was a major problem, right? I mean, yeah. Because they put that Obamacare label on and people who didn't like Obama hated it because it had his name on it. But then they realized they had insurance through the exchange. And, you know, we've, we've right. had these reports of people saying, well, I don't have Obamacare. I have the Affordable Care Act. Right. So right. I think once everybody figured out it was that's what it was, <clears> then then you saw support for it. But if, if, if 
Trump was so excited about it, you'd think he'd want to have his yeah. name associated with it. Why in the world would you want the detachment unless there's a worry that it may not go that well? It makes you wonder where, like, where do you think the actual concept, I mean, we know where the concept came from. It was Obamacare, but, right. like, who was the author of, of this? Cause Trump. Was, Trump, he pens this whole thing, right? <laughs> Trump. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's so just a mishmash of shit just piled on top of. Well, they were stuck. ACA language. They were stuck because, you know, ACA Obamacare was. It's hard to get to the right of that, right? I mean, this is not a this is not a you know left wing. Uh, it's hard to get to the right of a program that boosts private industry yeah. and, and insurance companies, right? It's very it's very, and this was a Republican, right? Didn't Dole right. have some right? Is that right, Phil? Right, Dole had some program like this in the nineties. It was. Yeah. It was Republican. I thought it was that was the Heritage some Heritage Foundation. Somebody yeah. like that was the sort of a, or, uh, the origin Maybe of this. before Romney, right? Whole I mean, idea. it was yeah. yeah, yeah. Because again, it's it's a boon to business, right? If you're a corporation, if you're an insurance corporation, mm-hmm. there's a mandate for you to buy. The, the biggest problem with this one, of course, is that they're trying to have the best of both worlds. They know that the 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 the, the provision that doesn't allow denial based on pre-existing conditions is popular, mm-hmm. right? Nobody likes that. It's a terrible thought. Yeah, you know what I mean. And and, and enough stories are out. Um, but the mandate was unpopular because we don't like government telling us what to do, which can, can completely understand that. The problem is you can't have both of those things. Otherwise, you know, healthy people don't ever get covered and, and, and business can't run that way. So for people who really want to see a national health care plan, this may be a dream, right? Mm-hmm. All insurance companies have to go out of business because they can't make any money if the only right. people that have their insurance are sick. Right. Um, but I don't think that's what Republicans are trying to do. <laughs> I to say, that would be a tremendously right. twisted conspiracy theory. I don't think that's what's happening. And I, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're really stuck now because for the last, I don't know, how many years, seven years, Years, this has been, this has been what they attack, right? Trump basically got sure. elected by attacking Obamacare. Sure. It was a wonderful political tool. You repeal that, what do you? I mean, this is it's Obama light at best. Or I mean, you know, I think there's a lot of Republicans who would just say the government doesn't have any role being in healthcare. Let's get rid of it all. Uh, and then you've got the whole Medicaid thing. So I, I don't know how they well, that, that go was, forward. For me, that was that was all along what was going to be fascinating about this, which is it's really easy to have 66 votes or whatever it was to repeal Obamacare while President Obama's in office. Yeah. It's posturing, right? They can go back to their gerrymandered districts and say, look, I'm trying to get rid of this terrible piece of legislation, all the while knowing nobody's going to get thrown off of health insurance because the big bad president's going to say, too bad, you're stuck with my bill. Um, then when, when that goes away... They got to grow up, right? I mean, they got to, and I, I don't mean that. In a, I think that sounded more pejorative than I meant it to be, but I mean they got to put a mature bill forward that may become policy. You can't just posture at that point. I, I'm surprised that this is the best they came up with because it doesn't it doesn't look particularly good to me. Well, as much as that is, this was uh, a campaign promise that he needed to do mm-hmm. something with relatively quickly. I'm shocked that it's as quick as it was. I thought. Six months, a year, maybe even two years. We'd still like be that. working on the Hillary Clinton indictment, I thought. Right. Of course. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I thought we'd be doing if you would have asked me in November. Yeah, he's ruined our plans. <laughs> <laughs> and I, that's got to come partly from, the. I mean, not necessarily the speed with which this bill was introduced, but the speed with which they're pushing it or trying to push it through all comes from this crappy situation they're in, right? Like yeah. they're not publishing it. They were trying to push it through before the CBO estimates came out. Really? Um, <laughs> it's more fire trucks. It's very strange. There's a lot of activity today. So, yeah, they're they're trying to get this done by April. I think they wanted to have it to the Senate by. Eight. I mean, like they're wanting to get this whole thing. And, and Obamacare, which was the Obama administration was <laughs> yeah. criticized for pushing too right. quickly on. Yeah. They spent a year getting theirs through, right? Yeah. And so now the Republicans are trying to get this done quick. Um, and you know, it, that's a strategic thing, right? It's it's not. I think the more people talk about it and dissect it, the more problematic people are going to realize it is. 
Um, but yeah, I don't. Did you guys? Now, so. Oh, go ahead, Phil. Go ahead. No, I've talked too much. Go ahead. I was, I was going to say, I don't know if you guys saw, but there was uh, a number of outlets have reported that there, there's the lottery effect in this bill. Where yes, there's like 16 pages yeah. devoted to it. Yes. Yeah, so this, I mean, if you saw Spicer comes out and has uh, the ACA and how, how many pages it is and then how I many. I love the theater of Yeah, that. Acha is like, look, it's it's less government. Well, but a huge, I don't know about a huge, but there's paper. a number of pages are devoted to the rare occurrence where if somebody who's on Acha uh, were to win the lottery, there's a mechanism to quickly remove them from, you know, government. So, you know, that, which to me is like that somebody's like, we got to make sure this is No, that's there. it. Yeah. That's the funny part, right, is that they're in markup, right? They're, you know what I mean? Somebody's in a back room. Not, I don't mean public markup. I mean, they're sitting around going, yeah. you know, smoking, saying whatever. And it's like... Um, lottery winner. Somebody goes, yeah. Somebody goes... Well, what if what if somebody uh, comes into a lot of wealth and people would say, well, you know, that generally happens. You know, you invest and you go over time, and then somebody else goes, what about the lottery? <laughs> I mean, or you know, what if you hit the casinos and what did, what did you get? A, I mean, you you know that something like that must have happened, right? And, and, but of all the conversation that 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 yeah. pops in their head, like this could happen, we got to get those. You know, that's that's a drain on the system. Twenty eight percent of the pages devoted to the bill. Are devoted <laughs> right. To the thing, yeah. Right. Oh, so so what do you from a strategic or from a political I don't know from a political success standpoint I suppose would it be better I mean, the Republicans are in a weird spot here because they've made they've, they have promised for eight years now to get rid of Obamacare right so are they worse off if they don't follow through on that do they pay a bigger price for not doing anything and leaving Obamacare in place. Or are they worse off if they pass a bad bill that they are then, you know, that becomes their baby, right? In some ways, if they do nothing in Obamacare, you know, they let it sort of die a natural death or they not, un, not an unnatural death. They can sort of push it over the edge yeah. if they want. Mm -hmm. But by doing that, I mean, they lose out by not, you know, following through on their promise to get rid of Obamacare. But they win in another way versus the other option, which is to pass a bill like this, which is going to do really crappy things to lots of people, right? So which, I mean, both are bad options, but which one is the lesser of the two, or which is the least bad option if you're the Republicans at this point? I, I mean, I personally think that the political fallout from them passing this bill would be much more severe than them wow. either placating uh, or, or doing something wow. with regards to... Um, uh, updating and, and redoing uh, uh, ACA. I think it's early enough in the process and the presidency to where the base is going to be furious, obviously. But I think you have a wider swath of the American population that is going to be directly affected and have people that they will know that are directly affected that will turn into a, a greater... Uh, uh, I don't know... Uh, outlashing as compared to what the base but, could possibly You're be. overlooking the very important 18 to 24-year-old very wealthy demographic <laughs> yeah, uh, who are going to okay. be thrilled. <laughs> who are going to be thrilled that's, uh, that's by fair. this bill. That's so there are, there are literally hundreds of votes nationwide <laughs> that will be covered anyway. It will benefit by those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so... So you're you're a little you're a little myopic. <laughs> I'm very sorry. But I think that but but Phil's question's a good one. But it but I think that the undergird to that question is the the really bad rhetorical approach they took, which was instead of there are major problems to this bill, 
because there have been major problems to healthcare over the last 30 years, this is not the final solution we need. Well, they should avoid the term final solution. Yeah, right. I, will, I, I will say that, especially given especially. some of the rhetoric of some of their members, uh, this is not, this is, this isn't the end of the game there that we need to, but you can't, that's not a soundbite. Mm-hmm. Repeal Obamacare is a soundbite. That's, right. It's powerful and people can chant it. And, and, and so once you lock yourself into that, though, you, you lock yourself out of more, more fundamental you, you like the less fundamental possibilities. That is making the changes that that, that Barack Obama himself said on many occasions need to happen mm-hmm. to make this bill better. It's the first try. Yeah, it's the first try of providing this. I'm I'm not convinced they want this to pass. Uh, I mean, because if you if you think about, I mean, maybe Ryan does, but I'm not even sure that's the case. Like you said, <laughs> Phil, if this passes, they own this. It becomes Trump Care. I mean, it's it, the reality is it's, it's a lousy bill right now, and maybe they maybe they can find ways of fixing it, but it's it's bad now. You're going to have a lot That's of people true. off Medicaid. Premiums are going to go up. As you said, the young rich people are going to be happy, but the older rural people, when those premiums go up, those are going to be they're going to be pissed off, and that's Trump voters, yeah. right? So, and they're the ones, yeah, that that's they're it. just they're voters in general, yeah, right? They're the ones right. who vote regardless, right? Right. So, and so the alternative for Trump is to to put this out there, say we tried, it fails, and then he can still blame the Democrats for not having votes. He can maybe even midterm elections bring this up again and say, "Hey, Republicans got to come back out. We got to get better numbers." I don't know if they win by actually passing this because I think, as you said, Nick, it becomes their they own it. Whereas if they if nothing passes, they can still try to blame. I, I, don't, I guess I don't know how long you can continue. To blame Democrats for things, but uh, I'm not sure there's an interest in passing anything. You can do it for a while. Oh, a long yeah, time. Right. A long, long time. Yeah. yeah, also, because if the numbers turn out to be close to true, they will deny the numbers. The numbers aren't right either. It's not the projections just are off. It'll yeah. be the actual data as far as people. Yeah. And, and, and I think there is some nuance to the data. I mean, you hear a number like 24 million, it's shocking. Um, and, and on the other side, you know, they touted 20 million people or 14 million, whatever it was, it got... You know, a lot of that was Medicaid expansion, but it's but it's still part of ACA. I mm-hmm. mean, it wasn't in private insurance. It was not like that more many people. I mean, sometimes they presented it as if that many more people bought into the, the bought into the insurance plans, right. and that's not what happened. But but this rollback would roll back those Medicaid expansions as well. And of course, that's going to be disproportionate in in blue states because a lot of the red states governors didn't allow the Medicaid expansion Medicaid. to take place anyway. Right. Right. And so, I don't know. I mean, Medicaid's a tricky one too because. It is true that just having Medicaid doesn't mean you have health insurance. I mean, because yeah. Medicaid doesn't reimburse at a very high rate. A lot of providers will not take Medicaid patients as a result of their low reimbursement rate. Um, and so you have a card, but I don't know that that always means you're getting care, right? I mean, you're right. getting, I mean, preventative care. I'm talking about routine it, care, not right? Well, that's kind of been the argument for that you've seen from some of the conservatives. Oh, is see that, what I just did? Yeah, no, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's for, but it's they, a valid one because there's ta- you know talking about these numbers about how many people are going to be off off insurance, how many people are going to lose their insurance, right. and, and there's been a number. I don't know if it's Ryan or Hugh Hewitt. There, a couple have been interviewed saying it's not about insurance. It's about care, right? And yeah. so, you know, you, you, you Except lose Except for your... that you can't have care without insurance. <laughs> no, no, I mean, that's, not, a silly, yes. that's a silly argument. <laughs> Although, if the argument is we want more people to get care, that's sort of fine. Right. But, keeping, but to say on the reverse, kicking people off of insurance won't deny them care. Yes, it absolutely <laughs> will. Right. It absolutely denies but them care. It's, it's a good argument, though, right? It's, yeah. well, and it's partly valid, and that's the other, yeah. that's the other part of it. It has the benefit of being. Uh, benefit of being. There, there has been sort of this personal responsibility 
argument that has come up a lot oh, about cell how phones, you, Phil. You yes, got cell yes. phones. You clearly don't care about your gallbladder if you are on an iPhone, my friend. It's true. That's it. Yeah, but that's been that's been the line that a lot of people, yeah. uh, not a lot, a number of you know people have made, and that I mean that's kind of a classic Republican line, right? I mean, it's about individual responsibility and making smart decisions with your money, and and uh, but yeah, I mean, there, there's this larger. So I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know why I brought that up. <laughs> no, you're right because that was because Ch- Chaffetz brought it up. Yeah. I mean, he did with the with the some people are gonna have to make choices either an right. iPhone or healthcare. Right. And, it's like, and, and yeah, I guess that, that's callous, what I was going. It's at. a pretty callous argument. Right? Yeah. That, right. Lots of people don't have to make that choice. They get to have healthcare <laughs> and an iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> because that, that that's why I thought that's why. Yeah. I, see, you sparked my brain. It's yeah. a little old and dusty, <laughs> yeah. but it works. Somehow. There's some shingles battling <laughs> around exactly. it now. I know it's still residue. <laughs> shingles residue. So yeah, I mean the part of that argument is that it's not about the number of insured. It's about access, right? And that's what they keep talking about is they have access to insurance and, and you shouldn't be forced to have to buy insurance if you don't want to, right? Um, so just just because the numbers are dropping doesn't mean that, you know, it doesn't, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's that some people are choosing yeah. not to Ex- buy insurance. Except for that yeah. if I'm an insurance company, then yes, you do need to be forced to buy it because if you don't, when you're healthy, we can't afford to run our business uh, and, and, and work to either provide or deny people mm-hmm. <laughs> who are yeah. sick health insurance. And I think the, the response to that has been that you that it's like car insurance i don't know how many of you guys know this but uh if you don't have car insurance for a while when you try to buy back in it's more expensive i found this out when i got rid of my car about 15 mm. years ago i was like well i don't want to have insurance if i don't have a car and then six months later i got a car i had to buy it and it was like way higher i was like what happened i didn't have any wrecks i wasn't and they said oh well you're six months not being covered so yeah, so your, your rates are a lot higher because you look sort of suspect and that's built into this bill right if you go for a long time without it then your rates will be higher well that's not going to be that's not good, right, yeah. for, for, for the consumer on, on the one hand, but it's designed, that was their mechanism to try to prevent people, young people, from waiting until they get a diagnosis and then going and buying yeah. health, health insurance. I don't know that that's going to work, though. Well, no. I mean, that seems to be a really, you know, yeah, I don't know that that's going to Well, I mean, those are the people that are probably going to be switching jobs, too. So they're probably right. going to lose that's insurance correct. at some yeah, point that's correct. through no fault of their own, realistically. And you can also have, I think there's deregulation here where insurance companies can offer less expensive, less coverage, you know, policies that are going to be appealing to young people. So, you know, that coverage is worse even if it's less expensive. Uh, yeah, and you just wait. If, if I'm a young person, or if I'm Phil, I wait until the shingles hit, yeah, and right. then I go get my health insurance, <laughs> you know, right. even, even if I have to pay a higher premium. <laughs> well, that's what, because a rational actor will be thinking, look, all right, how much more is it going to be if I wait this many months? I mean, you got to end up hiring an actuary to figure this out, right? Yeah. But how much am I going to save by not paying into insurance over, over these months or years? And then, okay, I know it's going to be more than I would pay if I, I'm in now, but I'm relatively healthy. It's worth the gamble. Yeah. And uh, I just don't know that from a business perspective, the insurance companies are going to be able to survive this. I don't know how involved they were in writing it. I think they were very involved in writing Obamacare. <laughs> right. I don't yeah. know how involved yeah. they've been in writing this. And I think, you know, theoretically, you could argue that's good. You know, get them out of it. That's not their place. But um, if we're going to have it, then if it's going to be... You know, corporate based, then then it has to be sustainable. Yeah, no, this uh, yeah, th- uh, this seems like a mess. This seems like a, a political ball of football they do not want. Can, can we can we read Donald Trump's quote about the health, the health bill? Do you did you do you I assume it? you saw this? I do have it here. Yeah, uh, where he was asked about the uh, um, the AHCA, and his response was, "We're going to do something that's great, and I'm proud to support the replacement plan re- released by the House of Representatives." This will be a plan where you can choose your doctor, and this will be a plan where you can choose your plan. And you know what the plan is? This is the plan. It's a complicated process, 
this is the best. It's a complicated process, but actually, it's very simple. It's called good healthcare. Yeah. He is <laughs> the greatest. That is, that is the biggest pile of nonsense I've seen in a long time. Well, it also traps the Republicans because he keeps saying this thing. You know, you're not going to lose your your insurance. You're you're going to be able to pick your doctor. Did he yeah, earn no. anything? Yeah, the Barack Obama teacher. <laughs> right. No, That's, you don't say that. This, this is not going to work at all. Well, this is where you get Trump, who's motivated purely by like popularity and approval. He's going to say whatever people want to hear, right? Sure. And and you you that's going to butt heads very quickly with a Paul Ryan type who's focused on the legislation and make, finding some sort of uh, policy that actually does something. <laughs> He's going to continue to cause problems by saying stuff like that. I heard... Uh... He has... Yeah, he, he, he has no idea. He has no idea what the bill says. No, right? like, no, he, no, he, no. He, has, he has no clue, and and he's in this weird position too now, where Breitbart is like openly critical of they're trying to take down Paul Ryan, and like Trump is like trying to stay, trying to say positive things about Paul Ryan, but also trying to stay in the graces of these more conservative elements. And I, I mean, maybe he doesn't even think about that. I think he just goes out and says whatever. Yeah, comes into his head. But. <laughs> well, today Spicer was coming out. And apparently, he called it. Uh, Paul Ryan's healthcare plan. I mean, so he used, he oh. referenced it, linked it to Paul Ryan. Tomorrow it'll be Ryan Care. Right, exactly. they're, they're just easing us into yeah. the eventual. Yeah. At some point, Paul Ryan has to get tired of all this as well. Uh, yeah. Well, sh- should we uh, transition to uh, Rep- Representative Steve, Steve King's uh, thoughtful comments this week? What kind of non-professional segue was that? You got to work on that. You got to find some way to. See, we're, so, we're new. Yeah, I don't know. We're new. We're new. We just, don't go to break. We're we're gonna go to break. That's right. It. That's true. Yeah. After these messages, we'll talk about Once we get advertising, then we'll be all right. There you go. There you go. <laughs> all right. Well, so uh, Stephen, or Steve King. Uh, yeah. Uh, Republican. Harry. That's right. That That's right. From, from Iowa, right? Yes. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, he tweeted out this week in reference to uh, uh, a Dutch politician. Phil, do you want to say the Dutch politician's name? Oop, you there, Phil? Phil, oh, Phil is uh, gone for the second. Uh, Heert Wilders, uh, who's this uh, anti-Islam guy, uh, Wilders understands that culture and demographics are our destiny. We can't restore our civilization with somebody else's babies. Um, yeah, you put it down there. <laughs> this just in. Stephen King has white supremacist ideology. I mean, I, th- th- there's no news here, but it is, but it is quite shocking um, that... That uh, not only has he said it, he's backed off of it. But uh, again, he, he has a history of this. Um, his constituents don't seem to mind. Um, it's a house district, right? It's 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 drawn pretty carefully, and it is what it is. Because I, I, st- I mean, he because he can't be right. He came back on Monday. Yeah, he doubled down and doubled right? down. Yeah. Uh, and you know, they asked him, "Do you want to take this back?" And did you mean this? Well, <laughs> no. Well, of course, I meant exactly what I said. And then he talked about how he's traveled through Europe. Uh, and then he said, quote, you've got to keep your birth rate up and that you need to teach your children our values. And in doing so, then you can grow your population, your population, and strengthen your culture and strengthen your way of life. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, just, it's, it's not even tiptoeing Genetics, around. Man. It's, yeah. it's just some really crazy stuff. Yeah, I wonder what you know what the uh, what the appetite is for that kind of rhetoric. I mean, one expects that there must be something. But Paul, so Paul Ryan just said, well, I don't think he really meant that. I mean, he didn't, he didn't attack him. It, Yet Steve King says, "Yes, I did." I'm <laughs> right. yes. uh, sorry, Speaker Ryan. Right? Yes. So yeah, they'll tell me what I meant. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, this is you know, I, this is the guy who who said uh, you know a few months ago, back in the summer, that uh, that uh, he can't imagine what any subgroups except whites contributed to civilization. 
Yeah. Apparently, had he traveled around Europe and hadn't been to the pyramids. Right, right, Apparently, right. hadn't been to Egypt. Right. Yeah, that's a pretty important uh, non-white. Uh, yeah, but that know, was the last time. That yeah. was it, though. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right. It was at least the first time. I don't know. Um, maybe maybe something. Before well, I mean, is it is it just that safe district that he can say these? Because I mean, I was, I was looking back through. I mean, he was the guy in 2004. He called tortured Abu Ghraib hazing. Right. Uh, you know, he was the one that yes, he, he they called... Yes, paddle with the Greek letters. Yeah. That they were, well, you they should have gotten kicked off. Of <laughs> right, they should have. <laughs> Undocumented immigrants, livestock. He was the guy that was going after Obama's middle name. He was part of the birther movement. I mean, this I, I guess I'd heard a little bit of him, but I'm surprised at how far out there he really is. And it seems like he has an audience now. Are you there, Phil? I think I'm back. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. we can hear you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just think... I just he, think... He, go ahead, Phil, please. It's, it's Heert Wildersville. Thank you. Oh. Heert <laughs> Say it one more time, but more slowly. Yes. Heert Wilders. <laughs> Not like the Swedish shot. That's kind of yes. weird. Yeah, yes. That's kind of weird now. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think, right. I mean, how many Democrats even live in his district? How many of them are willing to run against him? How many can raise the kind of money to beat? I mean, I just think it's... It's not... Nobody's unbeatable. Um, but so, he, he probably feels safe enough that um, he doesn't need a filter. Yeah. Speaking of filters, so, yeah. before I break up again, let me I'm ask... trying to help you guys out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me ask another question before I break up, maybe, since since you do American politics, Stephen. Uh, is that do parties ever punish someone for? I mean, I've seen people calling for the Republican Party to, you know, expel him from the caucus or whatever. Is that does that ever happen? Almost, what would it take for a, a party to actually do that? No, I mean, formally, if expelled from the caucus, like where, where's it going to go? Mm-hmm. Um, what ha- and, and generally parties themselves, that is like uh, party leaders, tend to not be involved in those types of things. I mean, they get involved in election time after, usually after the nominating season. I mean, they, they tend to. Um, not getting in, in, in involved with many controversial things. I think that the the more interesting question here would be, will somebody from the right challenge him? Not, not I don't mean the social mm-hmm. right. I mean somebody that's like more white supremacist than Steve King. But I mean wow. somebody who's sort of a, yeah. That's a let's all stop for a moment and imagine that, what that person is. That 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 yeah. well, I don't know. David Duke is not in Iowa. Um, David, David Duke, David by Duke the way, likes yes, the tweet. Likes, yes. it, likes the tweet. Yeah. yeah. Said, Congratulations or Godspeed or something. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think if you think about. How Republicans were punished in 2010 by by Tea Party folks, for instance, who are also Republicans. I mean, that's that's where I would point to some evidence where parties can get yeah. out. And maybe, and I think there's some concern about uh, 2018 that the Bernie wing folks go after some sitting mm-hmm. establishment Democrats, saying, you know, we blew this because we weren't we weren't liberal enough or something like that. So it wouldn't be about ideology in this case. It would be about here's a guy who's hurting the party. Let's get him out of office. Mm-hmm. Um, could they find somebody in the district to run against him as a Republican? That's probably much more likely than finding a Democrat to run against him. Yeah, sure. So he's kind of so in that. Oh, go ahead, Phil. Is he po- I don't is he popular in his own district? Oh, yeah. I, mean, I assume yeah. he's pretty safe. Yeah, he's safe. Yeah. So in that interview, the second interview on CNN, he uh, they asked he was asked about whether this is about race, and he says no, this isn't this isn't about race. He said his comments were instead about quote our stock, our country, our culture, our civilization, and that we need to have enough babies to replace ourselves. But not about race. Right, right. I mean, it's just our stock. Our stock. Our stock. <laughs> stock. I mean, it's insane. It it is. It's right? like stock. It's like. Huntington meets Julia Child or something. What do we got? We got it's, some uh, very strange 
recipe of Clash of Civilizations happening. <laughs> Do you think that that the 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 return or not the return, but the emergence of Trump and Ban and that he now this is this is now legitimate. It gives license. It yeah, gives li- I think. It gives I mean, this is something I think that was simmering in what brought Trump into power. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. people that are that are you know that are naturalized citizens have this concept that we are losing some element of our culture and our yeah. society and that these other ideologies are being forced on us. I'm saying that I believe that, I'm yeah. just saying us. Yeah. But, um, and I, I think he's a bad vessel to, mm-hmm. to put that out there, but I think it's a, a concern that people have and not in a xenophobic, you know, evil, fascist kind of way. They feel like they've been marginalized while other people have been brought to the forefront. And they're the ones who are busting their asses. Not saying that the people who aren't coming in aren't busting their asses too, but they feel like they've been here and they're they're U.S. citizens. Why shouldn't they have the same focus put on them that these new either immigrant or ethnic groups are, are getting now? It has it has a, certainly it has an appeal in the United States and and obviously in the Netherlands as well, Phil. Yes. Yeah, I mean this is this is going on all across Europe, right? This is not it's not just yeah, the Netherlands, right? Segue. This is. That was beautiful. I'm sorry, I'm admiring the, the technique here. I'm, so. I'm working on it. What's happening in Brussels? Phil? Yeah, Tell yeah. Us. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's there are people who think that uh, Marine Le Pen might win the presidency of France, right? So leading I mean, in the is, polls right now, right? I mean, and I know there'll be yeah. a runoff, but I mean, leading like leading, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of terrifying mm. or exhilarating, depending. Yeah, on where exactly. You're <laughs> So, <laughs> why, why don't you tell I don't us? Wanna, some... I don't want to ostracize our hillbilly audience any more than I already have. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, we're bringing the hillbillies back. Um, so, uh, talk more about here, uh, Wilders. So, yeah, I mean, so Wilders is, I mean, he's a far right wing. He's he's kind of the classic new radical right. Um, you know, he is in the Netherlands, but there are parties like this in Austria and France, and I mean, there's UKIP and, and the United Kingdom. There's been a boom in these sort of ultra-nationalistic, far-right-wing parties over the last, really kind of the last 30 years, but it's been um, a big uptick in the last 10 years. Um, and, and it's not coincidental that it has coincided with uh, a large increase in, in uh, immigrants from Syria and from uh, Libya and from other places due to uh, unrest in the Middle East. But yeah, so here, here, Yurt Wilders. <laughs> That's just nailed it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> all that practice, all the hours of practice last uh, last night. That's thing. right. That's right. Uh, so Wilders is the, they have an election tomorrow, um, and he there's the chance that he or his party will get the most votes. So they have a proportional representation system. So if you get thirty percent of the vote, you get thirty percent of the seats. So he there's a chance that he he will quote unquote win. But it's important to recognize that winning means that uh, right. he his party would get the most votes. But he's not going yeah. to coalition government, right? Yeah, yeah he, he's not going to be able to build a coalition and become prime minister of the Netherlands or anything like that. But he's changing politics. So even like the mainstream candidates have been uh, shifting sort of more to the right in an attempt to try to fend off this rise of right wing parties. And I think um, I, you know, sort of like like Steve King in Iowa. I think I think that they. I don't know. Wilders is, is pretty racist, but um, I mean, I think uh, um, like, you know, when Steve King says that it's not about race, I, I think he believes that. Right. I think he I mean, it's for him, it's about culture. It's nationalism. Right. It's about preserving American culture. And it just happens to be that in his mind, American culture is European culture. Right. And so, um, you know, whether you're talking about Mexicans or 
uh, Iraqis or whoever else is coming in, that's that it's a threat. So his cultural his mm-hmm. cultural concerns fall along racial lines, <laughs> right, right? right? So, so I, I mean, it is wow. it is racist, right? But I don't think that he necessarily thinks of himself as being a racist, right? Well, nobody does. Yeah, okay. that's the problem in right. America, right? Yeah. Nobody's a racist right. because there's always somebody right. more racist than me. I mean, I don't wear a hood, so I can't possibly <laughs> right. be a racist. You know, exactly. I don't, yeah. uh, you know, I've got a black friend and whatever else kind of thing. But that, that's the problem. And I think when he says it's not about race. He's not even thinking about whether it's about race or not about race. He's saying it can't be about race because when it's about race, that's bad. So yeah, and right. it's not bad. So it can't be about race. Yeah. And then he's yeah. got these other sort of cat. So I don't think that there's a logical sort of explanation for why it's about culture as opposed to race. I think he's finding other words to describe. Yeah. Because it's not about race anyway. It's about white supremacy. Yeah. I mean, he right. believes that right. whites are a superior race of yeah. people uh, who who need to propagate to for to to fend off attacks from yeah. outsiders. Right. And, and, and he thinks that he thinks they're superior genetically and culturally, right? So it's both aspects to him. I mean, there's, yeah. there's been a I lot mean, of, Phil, look at yeah. you're gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, and that's and it's it's one thing. There's always been, like you said, there's always been those individuals making that argument, but it's different when the president and and the president's top aide is sympathetic to those arguments, right? That that it's yeah. a whole other voice. Sure. Uh, and, and you talk about uh, King. I, I think. Wilders is to the right of King, especially on his views on Islam. I mean, he's talking about sure. shutting borders down, closing down mosques. Yes. It's it's an even further step to the right in terms of just saying he, you need to cleanse. You don't think Steve King wants to shut down the borders? To, to, well, did he support the executive order? My guess is that he did. I don't yeah. know how far. The, I mean, look, I, I, don't, I, think, I don't think we need to compare them to that. But I, I wonder. Yeah. Right? I, I wonder, really. About, I don't know about shutting down mosques, but... I wish somebody would directly ask Steve King about shutting down mosques. I'd love to hear what his answer is. Because my guess is he wouldn't say unequivocally no. That would be un-American. Our First Amendment. I don't think that's he the might answer. Not, we would oh, get. that's oh, that's. I, I think, think you're probably right. I don't think yeah. that's the answer we get. I, think I mean, the difference well, is that is that. Yeah, the difference is that Builders is explicit about his like, like Steve King is, expli- is explicit but tries to sort of explain it away in some way, whereas Builders is sort of proud about it. And if we had a multi-party system, you could you could very well That's see right. a sort of uh, Steve King, Jeff Sessions type of like group of people that would form a for a more far-right party, right? Sure. Yeah. I heard so that I, on NPR I heard an interview. They were interviewing some people who were fans of Wilders and what their man. This is it's uh, like really. Whenever we do the podcast, this is uh, yeah. Naperville is like the safest place in the world. I don't know where, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the sirens why. come from That's right. Why. Yes. And so they were interviewing these individuals about why they supported uh, Wilders' party, which is is it the Freedom Party. I always forget what the name of that party yeah, is. Of course it's it is. Yeah. Of course it is. Right. It's always freedom. <laughs> um, That's a good guess. And, and they were asking, and it, and his supporters clearly have a very negative view of Islam, but part of that view is that Islam is not as tolerant as you should be in the Netherlands sure. in terms of supporting gay rights. And it was, it was a little different mm-hmm. than I think where the Trump campaign and Steve King would be on this, right? I mean, because the, the, they don't share those same sympathies. I'm not defending that, but it was, it was interesting to see that distinction. In which case the Trump White House says, man, if we just would have thought to say we need to ban people from these seven countries because they're not supportive enough of gay rights, right. then maybe we could have put a coalition together. We'll get the liberals. To be supportive of that executive order. Yes, yes, man, yes. we missed an opportunity there. Oh, so, I, there's something. Go ahead. The Dutch. Well, Give it to the so Dutch. There's, there's an interesting aspect of the Steve King thing being from Iowa because the, there's um, the type of person, you know. Mm-hmm. typically that's mm-hmm. sort of attracted to these types of ideas are people who aren't actually experiencing or aren't 
like suffering from immigration. Like they're not, they don't tend to be people who are actually losing jobs from immigration. They're not people who are living next door to immigrants. They tend to be people who are sort of tangential to immigrants, right? So they have, in that sense, your stereotypes or your ideas aren't really challenged. You're not sort of, but so they're, oftentimes it's um, uh, more suburban people, right? Who live sort of on the outskirts of a city. And so they, experience yeah. like diversity they but see not like they see color yeah, yeah, yeah. they went out there to get away from exactly. that and now right. you're putting right. it in their face again that's yeah. right <laughs> so i mean it makes sense that there's i feel like it's worth kind of bringing that up because that that sort of fits with the sort of iowa um you know Iowa's not the place that's being hit and economically devastated by immigration right but but that's the type of place in a lot of ways that these sorts of ideas flourish and have have success have political success but those are places where they have been economically devastated for other reasons mm -hmm. and yeah. they're the ones yeah. that feel like they're left behind that's, and that's yeah. why they sympathetic to those arguments onto these. yeah yeah and i don't have data but i i do think there's more immigration uh particularly from latino countries to to iowa than we generally imagine sure. um, i don't know but i but again i think part of the problem i have with all of this is that there's a constant conflation of, of legal and illegal immigration so I don't know, for instance, that, that they're illegally uh, mm -hmm. immigrating to right. Iowa, but I don't know that, that Steve King is making any distinctions between those things. No. And I think that so often we hear right. these arguments where you might be able to make a valid argument about people that are here without papers uh, for, for one reason or another, but it always ends up being immigration, immigration, immigration. And of course, it, it generally... Um, you know, it generally isn't white people immigrating. Well, and when you're talking... It, it isn't the Polish person who overstays right. a visa in downtown Chicago, right? Yeah. They're not the ones that people are thinking of when they think of immigrants overstaying their welcome. Indeed, right? yeah, they're not indeed, thinking of exactly Canadians. Correct. And, and, right. The Canadian, yeah. Right. And when you talk about babies, right? You're you're talking about skin color and all that kind right. of stuff. That that it takes it to a different level. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So so can I can I throw a, a, a topic out here, kind of related to this? I, I saw somebody, and again, I didn't pay attention like I should have. Somebody on Twitter was talking about um, essentially the idea that six months ago. The idea uh, that essentially it, it was the idea that Ryan controlled or the, the, the Republican Party was Paul Ryan's party. Right. And that was the platform that would get you elected. And that if if you had run on sort of a Bannon sort of ultra nationalist kind of right wing, you wouldn't have been successful. Right. That, that the, the Ryan platform was the successful platform. But that now, six months later, a couple of months into the Trump administration, you could very well argue that the successful Republican platform is the Bannon platform, right? That if you ran on sort of an anti-immigrant, more, not as explicitly nationalistic as as uh, Steve King, but more of a sort of anti-immigrant, build the wall kind of platform, that that with the American, or at least with the Republican base would be, would win, right? If you had two candidates, one sort of talking Steve Bannon, one talking Paul Ryan, the Steve Bannon candidate would win. Yeah, I, I mean, do you think that has there been a shift? Has that been the case all along, and we've just sort of ignored that aspect of the Republican Party? I, I think they've shot their wad on this thing. Like, I, I think again, we're not that far into it, but I think that the way this is playing out and the way that we can foresee it playing out, I don't think that the extreme nature of this particular political campaign has the legs to influence future political campaigns. It's just it's not it's not working like I, I mean we i don't think anybody is under the impression at this point that the wall is going to get built anytime soon um or that mexico is going to pay for it or that we're going <laughs> to ban people from you know seven eight nine different countries at a time without some sort of major repercussion like i i don't yeah. and once those things don't happen 
people are going to realize that that platform doesn't work and go that, back to Ryan. Yeah, yeah, that's I, yeah, it's tough. And I, I mean, I, you know, we don't have good exit polling data from all the different primaries to know who people supported. But I, I you know, I don't get a sense that that young people disproportionately came out for Trump. That they're attracted to these right. messages. Even young conservative people mm-hmm. are, are attracted to those messages. Young conservative people um, generally are talking about either social social messages and they're thinking about things like abortion or or traditional marriage and those types of things or they are um fiscally conservative people Mm -hmm, or or just generally think government ought to stay out of the way um and these kind of messages i don't think resonate with that group i mean certainly with our college students we're not we're not at berkeley here Mm -hmm, you know what i mean or we're like a Bowdoin or something i mean we're we're at a fairly conservative area and and have students from all different uh, uh ideological backgrounds but but they don't I don't see them grabbing onto this kind of rhetoric, at least publicly. I mean, maybe they're concerned in, in, a, in a more liberal environment not to do that, but yeah. I'd be surprised. I, I think you're right. And I think, but, but in like response to what you were saying, Nick, I think that the Steve Bannon approach is um, potentially a really powerful approach for in the short term, in the next 20 years, right? I, I agree, Stephen, in that, like when I talk to my students, my conservative students tend to be more sort of libertarian yeah. or more yeah. kind of small government. Um, and, and they don't, they don't, you know, they don't have as big of an issue with immigration or even gay marriage or whatever. Right. These are just sort of like, they've kind of grown up with this approach. Um, and I, and so, but I think that uh, the, the sort of Trump-Bannon approach right now, I think even for the next, again, for the next 20 years, I think could be, really successful i think beyond that you start to run into more problems as as you sort of have generational changes in social attitudes but i I don't i mean that's just me like that's anecdotal evidence me sort of you know between talking to people my parents generation and people talking to and me talking to people my students generation right when you look at his poll uh, trump's polling but he you know it appears that he's got like 30 to 35 percent that just love him uh, you know, he pulls well with Republicans, but when you break that down, it really, it feels like a smaller segment that really likes him. And I don't know how far he can get. You know, he's got, he's got Paul Ryan with him right now, but at mm-hmm. some point if Paul Ryan says, this, that, that's it, I'm done, I'm not playing this nationalism, racism card anymore, it, it, it divides the party. Um, and Ryan's in a tough spot with that because prior to this year, he was talking a lot about Indust- prison industrial complex, disproportionate poverty in the black and brown communities. Right, I mean, right. he sort of he got he got super Catholic all of a sudden. Yeah, you know what I mean. Right. Right. Like all of a sudden, he was yeah. very social justice conservative, <laughs> yes. and uh, and then that's all dissipated. Right? I mean, I don't mean it's temporary. I mean, yeah. there's agendas that need to be that need to be addressed and so forth. But I wonder a little bit. Yeah, yeah. it's is that smart? Is that smart for Paul Ryan? I, I, it seems like he could really be making a name for himself by standing up to Trump a little bit more. But I, I mean, he's he's taken this opposite approach, which is to sort of embrace the speakerhood and or the speakership. I don't know what you would call it. And and again, and avoiding the word forward. hood in this context, <laughs> right. Phil. That's my advice. But like I, free. It, it doesn't seem like the wisest approach. Like it seems like differentiating himself might be a good. But I, I guess he did get sort of eaten alive for for critiquing Trump during that's the correct. election in some that's, ways, didn't that's he? That's correct. He got dressed. And up. Breitbart, who Breitbart, who's eaten up a lot of the other right wing news outlets, and is kind of they, they, he's just their number one target. So yeah. uh, I feel I don't feel much sympathy for Paul Ryan, but but you get the sense that he, you know the guy's getting beaten up, and if he looked back, he would not like what happened over the last couple of years in terms of the the way in which he's been portrayed, and he would much rather not be the speaker um he's he's trapped too yeah no 
Do you want to do beers? Let's talk beers. Yeah, because Stephen has to leave after beer segment. Yeah, so I know. Uh, so do you want to start us off and tell no, us about I've your been beers? Practicing. I don't know. See, I don't. I don't. Uh, <laughs> I know sometimes I play up my working class background for for effect. I appreciate that I exaggerate that. Yeah. But I will tell you that my palate is so non refined. It's unbelievable. You give me a box of Franja. And I'm like happy as a clam, <laughs> but I but I've been okay. So uh, my first beer was uh, Two Brothers from just down the road Wonderful. in Warrenville. Great right? brewery, yeah. Prairie Path Golden Ale. Yeah. Uh, crafted to remove gluten, but then there's a disclaimer that the gluten content of this product cannot be verified, <laughs> and this product may contain gluten <laughs> in the smaller print. Spicer wrote that. Yeah. So I'm thinking if you were on a gluten free diet. I would take precautions yes. because this seems like it's it's not going to cover the hospital bills or something. That was both a good review and some good medical advice. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to need a lot of free good medical advice if That's this right. bill passes like, Congress. And then my second beer is uh, Three Floyds. Mm. Right? Where's this from? You guys know where this uh, Indiana, is? right? Is that right? Yes, okay. Yeah. So. yeah. All right. And uh, this, I had the uh, gumball head. Delicious. Is that right? So you guys know what this is. I was worried that I would not find something that you, you know, in my dream, you know, I wake up and then you go, oh, and then you go, oh, I never heard. Where did that? Where's that from? You know, you're still so yeah. interested in what I've brought forward, but I knew all along that anything, you know, between a gumball head and a Schlitz malt liquor, yeah. uh, you'd all say, oh, we already know yeah, what that is. No, so anyway, I did my best. That's the first time that's been on the podcast. Is that that's correct? Good. Okay, yes. so I feel yeah, pretty good about that. Three floors. Sponsorship. Phil, how about you? Phil, who's who's in a blizzard right now, right? You're, yeah, it's like it's like a foot and a half of snow outside. It's still coming down. I may never get out of this house. <laughs> <laughs> New Hampshire. This didn't happen in Texas. So I started in honor of uh, St. Patrick's Day coming up on Friday. I started with a Guinness, which I haven't had in a long time, and uh, I forget how how much I like Guinness. I really enjoy it. It's I always expect it to be. Or am I breaking up? No, no, no. no you're good. Oh, okay. I just heard you say um, coming up on to... Friday. Like, <laughs> I, I always expect Guinness to be heavier than it actually is. Like it's always, uh, I, I just, I always enjoy it. So I, I started with that and then I just cracked open. It was a big Guinness. So I finished that off, but I just cracked open a uh, harpoon, um, which is a brewery in Massachusetts and Vermont. And they have, this is one of their seasonal beers that I've, this is the first time I've seen it. It's called fresh tracks. It's a spring pale ale. And, uh, hold on. <laughs> It's very nice. It's like, it's like wow. <laughs> but I was like, I listen to your podcast, and I feel like I, I'm supposed to say something like a sousant of asparagus or something. And I, I, I didn't, yeah. But yeah, the, the time film, we can't remember you. what it tastes like. Yeah. 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 I didn't say anything like that either. So I, I'm no, comforted. It's, it's good. It's like a light it's IPA, good. which I which I, I tend to like. I don't like the real heavy. I did a double IPA with my uh, with my shingles meds last Ooh, week, and whew, that was bad. Happy mess there. So, uh, like Phil, uh, Nick and I both, uh, we had some uh, a couple Guinness. Uh, Celebrating our immigrant roots. Right. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm one quarter Irish. You might not know that about that right? me because I'm so Italian, but my grandmother will be very upset that I was embarking. You know, I, I don't know how I know this, but non-Irish roots. And... Pittsburgh is like the city that has the highest Irish population in the country, right? I'll, I'll, I'll trust that. I have okay. no idea. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. I saw that true. somewhere. And I my was grandmother lives there, so I'll give you one. All right, that's good. That, yeah. Know. So yeah, uh, we had a regular Guinness, uh, which is yeah, like Phil said, it's it's actually a light beer, only 125 calories. You know, it's uh, it's it's healthy. Nick, that's something. It's healthy. <laughs> you know, why, why are you doing that? All right. So, uh, but I, I love uh, Guinness is great. And we also tried the Guinness Blonde, um, another uh, actually a very good beer. This is the first time I've American ever Lager. American Lager. Yeah. So it assimilated. So if you felt guilty of drinking something Irish, you can. Yeah. Right. It's Lee Greenwood. Lee Greenwood. Right. It's a, this is yeah. This is the mosaic we were talking about last week. So. <laughs> 
say it. <laughs> uh, so I don't know, Nick. What'd you think? I, I mean, I honestly, God, I didn't think I would like the blonde. Every time I go to a bar now, I have to have at least one of them. Oh, so you like that? I That's like okay. it a lot. Yeah. yeah. I hope nobody takes that out of context. I didn't think I'd like the blonde. Every time I go to a bar, <laughs> right. I have to have at least one of them. <laughs> That's right. It sounds like that scene from A Beautiful Mind, <laughs> where John Nash is trying to figure out the Nash equilibrium, right, with right. the blonde and the brunette. <laughs> yes. That seems like that's just what happened. Uh, you can take it yeah, out of context as yeah, much as you, you want. Can, yeah. <laughs> well, people, I know Steve. People can, go ahead, Phil. Nick, people compare you to John Nash a lot, right? Yeah, obviously. I do hear that. Yeah, I do hear that a lot around <laughs> campus. They've said he's the John Nash of North Central College. Well, Stephen, you have a train to catch. <laughs> yeah, I'm so, sorry about that. Thank you so much for I joining really us. And it's, uh, it's been a pleasure. Plug books, appearances, Twitter. Uh, new, new, book coming, new book coming out this summer, Inequality in America. So uh, catch it at all your booksellers. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to do that. Just listen to the podcast. Yeah, well, we'll have you back Thanks again. Appreciate, you appreciate it. Absolutely. So we thought for the final segment, we should go around and do some uh, stupid, fun news stories of the week. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I feel like I missed mine. Sure. But yeah. Phil, you start. Yeah. Or okay. Uh, so I, I, there's, I mean, neither of mine are particularly like below the surface or all that uh, out of the news. But last week I meant to talk about the fact that it slipped through the, the Ben Carson. Um, oh God. He he got a lot of heat for talking about how slaves were essentially involuntary immigrants, which <laughs> that that could be its own discussion. But apparently he also, in a speech to his, uh, to his, um, I don't know, people in his administration or whatever, made a claim that he could, by probing their brain or by electric shocking their brain, he could make them remember books that they had read like 40 years ago. Yes, it's fantastic. Yes, yes. It's totally not true. That's not scientifically ah, true, apparently, at all. I don't, know, I don't know that, but, therapy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that next week for the podcast, we should try that on Bill. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get a haircut this next week, so it, it would be the right time. <laughs> yeah. The other thing that I, I just, I just, it just makes me happy is the fact that uh, I don't know if you remember several months ago they had this naming contest in Britain for this research vessel yes. in which the people overwhelmingly chose Bodie McBoatface for the name yes. of this boat. Yes. <laughs> yes. So the, the government apparently, or whoever was doing this, vetoed over overrid that and. Uh, um, overrid, overrode, overrode, over, yeah, two beers. It was overridden, yes. <laughs> yeah. um, and they named the boat like yeah, I forget what else. Anyway, but they they put this this uh, uh, the the submarine, the little the little research submarine. You got a picture of it, yes. <laughs> but they named Bodie McBoatface, Bodie and McBoatface. Bodie McBoatface made its its like inaugural journey this week. It was I just love seeing a news story in which they are for, forced to refer to this as Bodie McBoatface. It's, it's wonderful. It, and I, I love, you know, that was one of my stories I was going to talk about because it's such a great, you know, the internet sometimes is brilliant. And so this was a, yeah, a competition. I can't remember who did the comp. It was, it was the U.S. government for something, right? Wasn't that it was the British, British, British. Okay. British government. And I'm sure they thought it would be, you know, these wonderful professional names and the internet's like, no, Bodie McBoatface. <laughs> you know? And it, it won overwhelmingly. Yes. This is how Donald Trump gets elected president. Exactly. It's the same forces at play. <laughs> Democracy is not always a good thing. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, I'm going to move from Bodie McBoatface uh, to uh, uh, wild, toxic, radioactive boars. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this story, but in Japan, so six years ago, there was the Fukushima nuclear reactor disaster. Uh, and so they basically created a 12-mile zone around where they evacuated towns. And they got everybody out. 
And now this last year, they've been reassessing about bringing people back in. They say there's some areas that are safe. They can bring people back into these towns. And what they found is that in the, in the interim, radioactive toxic wild boars have taken over the area. Yay. <laughs> yes. And like hundreds of them are roaming. And apparently now they're not afraid of people. So they're afraid of these toxic radioactive boars biting people. <laughs> And who's going in there? Right. And they're like 300 times more radioactive than is safe. So, um, and this is like a superhero origin story. Like. Exactly, <laughs> yes. Um, and they talk about, so they have uh, like footage. I guess they have cameras kind of watching what's going on. And they talk about that there's these unkept dogs scampering around. Rat colonies have overrun abandoned supermarkets. And the whole, and like all of them are, are fair, uh, afraid of these uh, wild boars and foxes. So. Uh, which is kind of an interesting thing because nature has a just a, a funny way of sticking around. Apparently, the same thing is happening in Chernobyl. Chernobyl, where yeah. you know no human yep. beings can go back, but this whole like ecosystem of radioactive things is is thriving yeah. there, like highly radioactive deer and I, yeah, I've seen several <laughs> things like that. And uh, apparently, the fallout from that even also had like implications in other places. I feel like in. Uh, uh, in like northern Scandinavia and like far north, like uh, Sweden and Finland and stuff, that the reindeer are so radioactive that they have to like test them occasionally because the people eat them there, right? And it's yeah. like so radioactive <laughs> that you can't you can't eat them. Now, if you're <laughs> because, or you could, I guess. If you are radioactive, is there an element of like superpower? Or do you live longer, shorter? It's it's probably not good to be radioactive, is it? All the movies I've seen seem to indicate that being radioactive is purely good. Purely good. Only good can come from it. There's there's no more learning going on in the podcast at this point. <laughs> Actually, one other quick thing before, if Nick's got something. Uh, uh, so did, we saw that Kellyanne Conway this week was talking about her... Her microwave. Oh, the microwave. Yeah, and and that you know, so basically, she was asked about the wiretapping issue, and, and Donald Trump has gone back and forth on this. You know, he accused Obama of wiretapping him, and then she said something to the effect that, well, basically, anything can be a, a you know spy material. Your microwave might be spying on you. That was said this week. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part. You don't know. <laughs> I know. I, I. It's possible. <laughs> Someone. I forget, in some interviews, someone pushed her on it, and she claimed her, her defense was that she's not Inspector Gadget. So she's not. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's Which, one of my favorite tweets of the week was someone who pointed out that uh, the underplayed story here is that Kellyanne Conway seems to think that Inspector Gadget inspects gadgets <laughs> as opposed to being <laughs> an inspector who has gadgets. <laughs> well, the, the other fun thing about that story going all the way back to the wiretapping is, I don't know if you guys saw this week, but Spicer was asked incessantly about the wiretapping and where Trump is about this. And so I think it was two days ago, he gave a press conference. We talked about... You know, that Trump in his tweets had used the word wiretapping in quotes. So he's like, he was using air quotes, right? So he was saying wiretapping in air quotes, which doesn't mean wiretapping. It means like broad surveillance. Um, and also that he didn't mean Obama. He meant the administration as a whole. I mean, it was just this wow. wonderful which, semantic. I love when air quotes gets you out of a jam. <laughs> so. Well, and what's interesting about that is that earlier in the week, Spicer had basically taken the stance that Trump means what he says, right? That he yeah. was being literal when he said this. And then, so then like three days go by and he's like, but he wasn't being literal about any of it. Right. It's just whatever is convenient, which is like, 
I, that's politics 101, I know, but it's like, it seems to be like even more like blatant or on display or upfront with the Trump administration in a way that that makes me both furious and like entertained. Well, and I, I also I, I don't feel I feel a little bad for Spicer because apparently he said he had a conversation with Trump about these tweets. So that means Spicer has to sit down at a table with Trump and say, "What did you really mean, Donald?" Right? You know, he's like, "Now, I don't Donald." Know. Right. I don't know. It was, it was five thirty. I was just tweeting, man. I I like the, the trend that has emerged. I like the trend that has emerged within the Trump administration of spokespeople saying that they don't speak for the president, which is yes. like one hundred percent their job, right? Like, yes. They go out and they're like, "Well, if I had guess, I would guess this is what he meant," which is just right. like, uh, how do I get that job? Yeah, Nicholas. A uh, couple things. Yeah. So. I'll touch on the Spicer thing in a minute. Yeah. Uh, I, I just ran across this today. Uh, the article's called, To Make Us All Safer, Robo Robocars Will Sometimes Have to Kill. You know, I, I think that, uh, that that seems reasonable, Nick. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, the thought is <laughs> self-driving cars, at some point, are going to have to make decisions yeah. about who to kill in specific situations, right. which means it's not necessarily going to eliminate traffic deaths, but they could realistically kill a group of children in order yeah. to save the driver or vice versa, or have the car careen off a bridge in order to avoid, you know, a 20 car pile up or something like that. The only so, reason I know this is because I took a survey where they were, they were talking about this, you know, they were presenting it with two scenarios. Do you run over young children? Yes. Or the elderly? Right? And, and so, because they said this this would be a real oh, thing. The that, elderly was the other I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and my thought was I always go for the elderly and people with shingles, but... Uh, <laughs> they had a good run. Put them out of their misery. Right. No, but these are, these, yeah, these are real moral questions that uh, cars will so, be solving. Yeah. But what's... I don't know if you've... A couple of... I saw an article about this a couple of months ago, and they had, they had done surveys of people to sort of try to decipher the ethics of what these things should do, like the survey you were talking about taking. And, and the consistent result, which is like appalling, was that in almost any scenario, people chose to kill the fat person. Oh, really? Like if there were, yes, yes, that if there was a fat person and a skinny person, they would kill it? the fat person every time. And it was like, and like, it was like, you know, obviously we'll say we'll kill old people over young people. We'll kill, you know, over children, all these other things that you know, could make sort of interesting ethical arguments about. But yeah, if it's like an old lady versus a fat person, they'll kill the fat person. Like <laughs> just every time, which like reveals this like awful yes. part of us as human beings. Human beings are terrible. We're just not terrible. That is awful. <laughs> um, and then I, I'm assuming kind of going along with the, the Spicer thing, you all saw the video of him in the Apple store getting confronted by that woman? Yes, yes. Uh, well, maybe our listeners hadn't heard, so do you want to give them a quick background? Yeah, so Sean Spicer was in an Apple store to get his phone fixed or to buy a phone or something like that. And uh, his other one is being tapped. Well, obviously, <laughs> yeah. He needs to make sure the demons are out of his other one. Um, and a woman confronted him and, and taped it on her phone, pretty much saying... Do you know you work for a... F Actually, I have it right here. You can you can listen to the audio. How does it feel? Do you have a great country? How do you... Do you have you have you helped with the Russia stuff? Are you a criminal as well? Have you committed treason too? Just like the president? Thank you. Have you committed treason too? What do you, what can you tell me about Russia? Such a great country to live in. Yeah, what, what can you tell me about Russia, Mr. Secretary? Thank you What can much. you tell me? 
Mr. Secretary. Mr. Secretary. <laughs> right. oh. it, it, it goes on, but that is a... What do you think about that? You feel, again, you feel a little bad for Spicer because that's, you know, he just wants to whatever, get his phone and he doesn't want to be confronted with that. I do think that's kind of part of the job, and that's why you don't go to the Apple Store by yourself, right? That's why if you're the press secretary, you have you have probably a whole staff to say, "Go fix my phone. I don't want to deal with the nonsense." Um, yeah, but I, you're mad. I, no, I'm not mad. Like I just, it's just, it's such a douchey thing to do. Like just mm-hmm. stop it. Like if you want to, like if you have a question for the guy, and you're concerned about something. I'm a concerned citizen who has this question for you. Don't, you know, harangue him for, as long as the video? Over a minute. Yeah. You know, where he can't say anything to you or call you an asshole because you're in public. <laughs> Although that would probably help him to, with the base. I'm like, I, 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 like, I, and I know they realistically don't have any presumption of uh, privacy in those types of positions. Yeah. But like you said... They probably have people to do this. But he should be able to go out. Like, I, I just, I just hate it. I just hate it so much. I, I, it doesn't. Would you, would you, would you feel differently if she hadn't recorded it? So if this inter interchange had a, or this exchange had happened in that she had like pushed him, but it hadn't been like I'm going to record this and put it out there for everyone. Would you feel any different? Yeah, I feel. Well, first of all, I feel like if she hadn't recorded it, she wouldn't have been that shitty right. about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. You know, no, and it's it's just this this part of the culture now that th- this this gotcha thing. We're yeah. always watching each other, and regard even even these people, yeah. which regard these are the people that we should be questioning, but not like that. Yeah. Like it sounds dumb and it sounds childish. Like I I, I don't know. It just I, put a bad taste I, in my mouth. I would agree with I, all of that. I I still think it. She's got the right to do it. I, I wouldn't say yeah. it's like it's not democracy at its best, but it is democracy and it's somewhat consistent with phil's point about you know humanity um yeah he's We're just terrible he, things right he's, he's got to be better he's got to be smarter and yeah he yeah he's got staff for so, that yeah i i'm torn on that the part of me that is all for like calling people out for like i think sean spicer knows better <laughs> he's just like sort of selling his soul to be the press secretary in some ways like so the part of me that believes that is like go you know good for you woman the part of me who like <laughs> hates confrontation finds that whole thing miserable yeah. like it just makes it stop i don't want to hear that right if, if I, yeah if i was ever confronted that way by anybody i would yeah, it would be awful it would be like my worst nightmare yeah yeah <laughs> I don't, like i feel if if the roles were reversed or if this was you know being done to someone in the previous administration and it was some right-wing nut who was right. talking about conspiracy theories and Things that supposedly happen and yeah. maybe did happen, but yeah. we don't really know. Yeah. It would be it would be a different situation. No, I think yeah, that, I think that's right. a fair point. I think uh, yeah. the left has to be very careful because it it is, I think, on some level, legitimately drifting into conspiracy theory because Donald Trump is doing some bizarre things. But you also have to be careful that you want to have some integrity being grounded, and you don't want to be that wacko left wing nut. So, that is correct. Yeah, exactly. Yes, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, we're we're actually relatively short this, this week. This is good. So, so I I feel like I should go back to my Harpoon Fresh Tracks Spring Pale Ale. I'm sure the listeners will love that. 
Do what? I'm sure the listeners will, listeners will love that. <laughs> I know, but I feel I had like two swallows when I when I talked about it before. But this is really good. I drink. This is good. I recommend it. You should go pick pick this up. That's from um, New Hampshire. It's from uh, Massachusetts and Vermont. They have a brewery in Massachusetts, one in the Boston area, and one in Vermont. Nice. Um, they got a nice little brewery tour as well. If you ever come visit me in New Hampshire, Bill, I'll take you there. I, I'm, you, I'm you too, Nick. You're you're welcome. I don't I don't mean Aww. to single out uh, Bill. If you ever come visit me in New Hampshire, I'll take you there as well. Oh, that's so nice. Thanks so much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is maybe a good point to note that next week I will be out in New York, and Phil and I will will be podcasting from New York, and Nick will still be here in Chicago. I and, will be here by my lonesome. Yes, uh, but we're we're becoming more. I would not international more. I don't know. Nothing. We're just podcasting. You're just there. We're just in a different place. You're just there. Yes. Interstatal? Interstatal. Yes. <laughs> hey, so do we not, we don't have a guest next week? It's just the three of us? Yeah. Okay. New York is your guest. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so we're going to do man on, the, man on the Street interviews? Is yes, that what please. We're do? Please do. Yeah. If you okay. could please do that, yes. that would be great. Well, before we wrap up, we should, even though he's not here, thank Stephen Maynard Caliendo. Uh, it was wonderful to have him on and have his insights. Uh, I think the, you know, the guests are a good thing. We, uh, we're enjoying it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as always, uh, you can find us on SoundCloud, you can find us on iTunes, uh, like our Facebook page, uh, that's at Barstool Politics, uh, Twitter is at Barstool Paul, P-O-L, P-O-L, uh, what, what's the Yahoo account again? <laughs> Barstool Politics <laughs> at Yahoo.com. They're just... We're still then just email us, email us questions or topics that you want us to talk about. Yeah, yes. your beer suggestions. Yeah. Um, the, or, other, yeah the other thing is, if you are enjoying the podcast, uh, you know, share with your friends. We uh, we've noticed that we only have so many Facebook friends, and uh, we've kind of uh, exhausted all of them. So if you would uh, step outside of your networks, if you think it's a, a decent podcast, share it, and we we'd be appreciative. Appreciative. Yes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, if if you want to follow us individually, uh, we do have our own. Phil, you have your own Twitter, correct? I do. I do. This. I have to figure out what it is. I, I believe it's Dr. Phil Barker. Ooh, um, fancy. So D, yeah, I know. Dr. <laughs> doctor. So it's Dr. Phil Barker. Uh, no periods, no no abbreviation, just Dr. Phil Barker. Dr. Phil Barker. All right. After that, I'm just going to say they're all on the Facebook page. So. <laughs> <laughs> they are on the Facebook page. I changed it this week because I thought maybe somebody would want to follow individually. So, uh, so when you look at our description, I've got all three of our uh, oh, that's so Twitter nice. handles there. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, great. Yeah, look at our Facebook page. <laughs> um, yeah, anything else, guys? I think we're good. Cool. Uh, yeah. Well, then uh, we'll see you guys next week. I think we're gonna do Wednesday again, right? Sounds good. All right. Uh, Cheers. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, Happy St. Patrick's Day. Woo! Yeah. Woo!